Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you already know the 50-year mission is definitive oral history of Star Trek. And Secrets of the Force will tell you everything you want to know about the history of Star Wars. But what you probably don't know is Ed Gross and I have a new book coming out this July. They shouldn't have killed this dog. The complete uncensored ass-kicking oral history of John Wick, Gun Fu, and the new age of action. Coming from St. Martin's in hardcover, digital, and audio. You can order it today. Welcome back to the 430 Movie. We got our expert programmers here to curate Fantasy Theme Week's of classic film. From 1998, film directed by Steven Soderbergh called Out of Sight. Yes. Soderbergh directs it with such a sort of confident, self-assured style. Lex Luthor in Superman. What is it about Gene Hackman that... Uh... His performance, it's off the charts, but still in reality. Fiendishly gifted. 1981, Sam Raimi Opus, The Evil Dead. Oh, yes, fine choice. Sam Raimi invented entirely new ways to get shots that should not have been possible with the amount of money that he did not have. Charade. Oh, Directed by Stanley Donnan. It's a textbook screenplay. It's just effortless, and there's not a wrong note in this movie. Can't say enough great things about it. We'll be back next Friday with an all-new episode of The 430 Movie, wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us now for The 430 Movie. The 430 Movie Podcast is available weekly wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. Download it today. Hello and welcome to Best Movies Never Made, a podcast where we talk about interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. Most of the time, the movies you're trying to make don't get made. Like, four of them may happen, one of them may happen, none of them may yeah. happen, and I'll be attached to three more things by end of summer. Turn the script into something resembling like Unforgiven with Conan. Yeah. Sadly, the rights expired and the whole thing just like went away oh. overnight. New episodes will be available every other Monday. We won't see you at the movies. Best Movies Never Made, as featured in Entertainment Weekly, is available wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Dockerman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. And today we are paying tribute to the late, great Nichelle Nichols, who uh, passed away uh, when we record this uh, uh, last night. This is Nichelle Nichols. I was very proud to play the role of Chief Communications Officer Uhura on the Starship Enterprise in Gene Roddenberry's legendary Star Trek. For all of us who were involved in it from the beginning, Star Trek was a marvelous journey into a world of the future, of peaceful exploration and self-discovery. As simple as this thesis might seem, today, it was groundbreaking in 1966. Um, of course, uh... I'm not going to say she played Neota Ohura because that wasn't canon. And then somehow it slipped into canon (laughs) despite never really being canon. So uh, I'm not exactly sure how that all came about. She was Ohura. So um, not Ohuru, as Orson Welles called her um, and Sam Peoples, uh, but uh, Ohura. So anyway, we're very lucky. We got two great guests with us today. Um, 
you, you, David Goodman is a returning champion to the podcast. Uh, he is a um, Dickett producer on the Orville and, of course, uh, a showrunner family guy. But he was lucky enough to work with uh, Nichelle twice, actually, once uh, on Futurama. But before that, with his delightful uh, motion uh, TV motion picture, Captain Zoom, where she played the queen of the galaxy. So we're, we're going to talk about that. Also, we want to congratulate David on the success of his new Paramount Plus movie, The Honor Society, which is getting rave reviews. You can watch it on Paramount Plus. And with the uh, Star Trek motion picture director's edition leaving at the end of the uh, at the end of the month, now you have something new to watch. Now you have so, something new to think about. Welcome, David. And also joining us for the first time, first time caller, first time guest. I'm thrilled. It's a good friend of the uh, the podcast, and uh, we are delighted to welcome. He not only was a producer on such movies as uh, Menace to Society and Tales from the Hood. He's a writer. He's a director. He is a, 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 a movie. Uh, lover, he is. Um, he is none other than the great Darren Scott. And Darren also was fortunate enough to work with Nichelle on his film, originally titled "Tales from the Crib," which was later retitled "American Nightmare" because that's what studio executives do. Darren Scott, welcome. Glad to be here. Very glad to be. Here. Yeah, no, no, thank you, guys. And and we really want there going to be a lot of memorials for Nichelle over the next couple of weeks, months. It's already starting. Uh, but boy, what an unbelievable woman, what an incredible life that she had 89 years old, not only the star of captain zoom, but, uh, you know, when she began her career, uh, as a singer and a dancer for Duke Ellington and Lionel Hampton, she went on to do uh, plays and television. My wife saw her at Panera couple years ago and she said i've never seen someone look so classy she said to go out and get a sandwich a panera and a soup she just looks so dolled up and just beautiful and elegant so i mean there, there we say luminous luminous and <laughs> indeed she was quite luminous especially for those of a certain age who grew up with uh Nichelle on their televisions we remember her all too well right up there with yvonne craig as batgirl i mean ahura was a uh, spectacular and in fact uh, you know, reading both in her own biography and Jean said even the racists loved her. She was so beautiful. So um, it was a really remarkable, uh, a remarkable story. She, of course, inspired Whoopi Goldberg, uh, seeing her on her TV, which led to her playing Guinan, but was very active in the space program, uh, recruiting people like Sally Ride and many uh, minority candidates. Um, interestingly enough, she was recruited for the space program. Do you know this, Darren? In 1975, but none other than by uh, Jessica von Puttermaker. No, Jessica Yesco, von Puttermaker. Yes, von Puttermaker. Yes, Jesko von Putkamer. But uh, who I know, of course, is Jesse von Puttermaker, the man behind the popcorn. Um, but uh, it, it, and I, I think, in a way, she even inspired uh, the, this wonderful character uh, played by Chris Marshall on. For all mankind. And of course, she really did inspire the NASA astronaut Mae Jemison um, right. uh, to uh, join NASA and go out into space. And just a remarkable, remarkable legacy that this woman has. Um, and of course, uh, you know, like I said, you two, two gentlemen both uh, worked with her. What can you tell me about your experiences uh, working with Nichelle and just maybe uh, memories and, and her, her legacy in your, your mind? Why don't we start with? Uh, uh, Darren. Okay, well, uh, as far as her legacy, I mean, she's an icon. And 
I was a small child watching Star Trek uh, in the 60s when she was on, and she just had the coolest part that we'd ever seen of a, a black woman have on television at that time, at least as far as I was concerned from, uh, from a uh, nerd standpoint. Uh, even then, I had started that. And uh, over the years, I just watched, watched uh, her in the 70s. She did some... Uh, Cool movies that are well known, like Chuck Turner. Chuck Turner, yeah. And uh, then coming back and in the eighties, and uh, she just had such an air of grace about her uh, when she returned as a uh, you know slightly older woman in the uh, in Star Trek and uh, the original series films that followed. She just she just had a majestic nature about her. Now. I had an interesting experience uh, with Michelle because I worked with her a couple of years after she had had a stroke. And uh, the stroke, basically, we found uh, out when she arrived on set, had wiped out her short-term memory. Mm. So she could regale you with great tales of the original series and the first interracial kiss and all of that, you know, she was sharpest attack on on that, but basically any kind of instruction that you gave her lasted about ten to fifteen seconds before uh, it would be wiped out. Right. And uh, the thing I found about working with her on this thing, um, she worked with Danny Trejo in a connecting device of a horror anthology. Uh, that's Tales from the Crib, aka American Nightmares. And so she was this magical figure who each year brings Danny a set of objects, and each object triggers a story. Mm. And so uh, when she arrived on set, because frankly, her representation had not uh, told us about her limitations, uh, we quickly had to work out, well, how are we going to make this work? You know, we did cards uh, so that she could read uh, the dialogue she had. And, you know, everything, it was like a race, actually, because I would go up to her and I'd say, okay, Michelle, what you're going to do is you're going to take this object and you're going to put it in the middle of the table and you're going to say that line. And I would head back to the monitor. And on the way back to the monitor, she would call out, Mr. Director, what are we doing? Mm. So that was tough. But the thing that uh, impressed me so much about it, I worked with her for two days, was her utter bravery because she was as sweet as any actor that I've worked with, as cooperative. She just kept going on it. You know, she never got frustrated or, uh, you know, angry at me or any, any of the rest of the crew about the situation. And we just plugged through it right. you know and uh i started just running the camera all the time and then i'd say okay take this object do that and say that and step back go right you know and she would get it done before uh the memory of my instructions had uh gone away from her and you know uh as actors get older, different limitations come on them. And it was amazing to me how long she worked with that limitation mm. because she had worked a couple of years. And two or three years after that, uh, she continued working. 
before yeah. uh, before she finally stopped. So I was really uh, impressed with her. And as I said, she was just as nice a person as you could ever want to work with. And the wonderful thing is when you weren't doing something that was immediate and you just said, hey, what about this or when this happened or, you know, uh, when Martha Lu Martin Luther King uh, contacted you to, to say that your part was so important, you had to stay on the show. And she was sharp as a tack on all that and a great storyteller, actually, uh, as, as, as we know with these uh, problems that uh, come about because of strokes or whatever. Uh, it was a challenge, but boy, I tell you, I'm so glad that I got to work with her those two days. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. really, that's really nice to hear because, you know, obviously the situation uh, couldn't have been uh, pleasant for her uh, to deal with, uh, you know, even, even given the short-term memory loss, uh, yeah. she, she must have known the, the her limitations sure. and, yeah. and for a performer to have to go through that it's uh, obviously really stressful on someone's psyche to yeah. to not immediately be able to do what one could do uh, you know merely months earlier right so that it's it's doubly wonderful to hear how she reacted to that and how she was able to push through. But David, you got her in better times long before she was wrestling with dementia and post-stroke. You you um, you you specifically uh, wanted her for uh, your your homage, your first homage to Star Trek. Um, yes, I've done a few, haven't I? <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about uh, that experience? Yeah, well, first, I, I do want to say something which I think is really important, and, and I'm not sure anybody else is going to say it, that... Uh, Michelle's talent, uh, you know, I, I'm obviously a big advocate for writers. I was, was head of the Writers Guild for a couple of years. I don't think the writers did her any favors on the original Star Trek. She had a lot of thankless dialogue. And we remember her because of her performance, because of of what she brought to it. She right. didn't take her eyes off her. And that's not just her physical looks. She was obviously beautiful. She had she had uh, uh, right. a, a luminosity. She was... She was yeah. a, a genuine, natural performer. She added reality to that part. It was a colorblind part. It was wasn't written as a as a black person, and yet, and that's good and bad because if she had left the show, that part might have gone to uh, a white person. Well, as it did in uh, Doomsday Machine and yeah. some of the other episodes where she but wasn't uh, around. To so, to me, that's the other thing. Is like we remember her in a way because of her talent you know that those writers really hailing frequencies open there's not a lot you can do with that it's and a great point that you're making because of course you're right you know you, you talk about the expression more on the stage than on the page right and you know star trek was a star vehicle it wasn't like that she was being denied these opportunities or it's about kirk spock and mccoy but yeah. boy what she did with that character with so few lines and right. so few opportunities and we'll talk about that because i, I do want to sort of ping pong around you guys to talk about your favorite Nichelle moments, both in Star Trek and, and outside of Star Trek. So we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, um, but well, I, we, I uh, so we, we wrote, uh, my partner and I, Rick Kopp and I wrote the adventures of Captain Zoom in outer space. It was a, it was a pilot for what would have hopefully have been a series. And we created the character of, um, 
Sagan, we called it, was named after Carl Sagan, the idea of the religious leader of these rebels. And we didn't think of Nichelle when we created the part, but then the executive producer of the of the show, Brian Levant, he said, well, what about Nichelle? And because he knew what a big Star Trek fan, that seems like a perfect pairing. And she came in and she... She, she, we didn't have a, she didn't have to audition in the same way, but she read some lines in a meeting we had. And right away, you, again, you see that sort of charm of uh, her charm and, and presence. This is in 1995. It's so almost 30 years ago. And, um, uh, just, uh, and, and sense of humor. She understood that, that this thing, which was a comedy, she needed to play it straight. She never, that, that can be a real problem with some actors who think they want to try to be funny. Right. And that's the way to kill a joke is to try to be funny. Nichelle understood. And she was very funny in this movie playing this kind of religious leader uh, who's, who's stuck with this uh, savior who's doesn't quite measure up. And um, uh, so she added gravitas to it. And, and then of course, like, like Darren, I am asking Star Trek stories every minute I can. And she was hilarious telling me I'm in a chair for two weeks yelling wormhole effect, wormhole <laughs> effect. And she was complaining about that and really so much fun and, and so funny. And so um, such a sweet, sweet woman um, and, and a pro, a total pro. You never, you know, lot, she, she wasn't having, this was before her stroke. Shows up to set, knows her lines, knows what she's doing, adds, uh, does her work as an actress to create the reality of this very, very unreal character. Yeah. Um, and then a few years later, uh, when I was on Futurama, we reunited the original cast of Star Trek for my episode where no fan has gone before. Sans Jimmy doing. And we got the original title was We Got Everybody But Scotty. <laughs> uh, the. Uh, and uh, Michelle, again, you know, she understood. Play it straight. She, she, she's coming in. She's kind of poking fun at herself. She's got a line in there about, I can do my famous fan dance. And she does, she's totally poking fun at herself for the fan dance that she did in Star Trek V. And the line reading on the line is so funny to me. She's just so, she's making herself so full of herself. And she understood that that was a joke. And she's not yeah. she's fine with sort of poking fun at herself. And again, total pro, had fun, um, uh, brought her own ideas, but also did what me and uh, David Cohen asked her to do. And, and uh, uh, that episode is probably, it was certainly one of the best things I've ever done. And um, uh, to have her a part of it was just such a treat. And, and she at least pretended to remember me from Captain Zoom. I, 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 <laughs> I can't yeah, remember, but she's David, funny. and maybe someone had told her ahead of time. But right, remember. yeah, it's funny. Every time I saw you, I saw her. I was always like, "I know you," but it was never like. And then, I, I mean, the last time I saw her, I think was at um, we were both backstage for an interview at the at this thing at Comic Con. They were doing Comic Con TV or whatever, and we were. Right. Both, and she was so sweet. I mean, she was already in a wheelchair by then. But right. she's just, oh, you know, and what what bring? What are you promoting? What are you doing here? And she just, right. and it was funny. I didn't want to like disturb her but she just wanted to like talk and she was it was so sweet i mean and every time i met her i just found her absolutely lovely but also very tough like i she was also told me i remember i think we must have been doing it was either zoom or futurama i don't remember we were doing it around the time that 
William Shatner was writing his Star Trek Memories books. Right. And she told me a story that, that he put in the book, to his credit. He's completely open about it. Like, yeah, he wanted to interview me for his book, and I was honest with him. I went in, and I told him chapter and verse, what he did wrong, and he, he put that in the book, which I give him credit for. Uh, but she she was like, she she was a tough, she obviously was a was a very strong, tough person and, and funny about it. Like well, her, her famous line from that, which Shatner quotes in his book, is that he's about to shut off the tape recorder after interviewing her. And uh, she says, oh, wait a minute. Don't you want to hear why we all hate you? <laughs> and uh, and Shatner reports that uh, uh, honestly and everything. And uh, it uh, it's a it's a great discussion afterwards about yeah, yeah. very much so. about about how they uh, they thought that he was uh, you know uh, taking their moments. Right. And, uh, this is especially on the on the films because of course the the TV series was a different thing because the you know there there was the there was the three leads, and then there were the day players, right? And so uh, it was a it was a different thing. And they, I, I think that a lot of the uh, the secondary characters sort of lumped everything in together in in a big Shatner hate fest. Right. But, uh, but, but I, he it, had a different um, relationship with him like, was, yeah, because absolutely. Jimmy was very bitter and wanted nothing to do with Bill. Right. And no George, to this day, is you know very she said these things, but she was happy to see him yeah. and didn't hold like, didn't have a chip on her shoulder about it. Right. And, uh, you know, to her, to, to her credit. And I think she had a twinkle in her eye about it. Be, you know, look, I think they genuinely felt that way. Um, but, uh, you know, and you've heard Walter talk about, it, and he's sort of come around a little bit. He's like willing to at least acknowledge, right. you know, that without Kat, building, was actually was, the star of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, it's 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 very interesting, but you're right. I mean, just the fact that Michelle Michelle was there meant so much and had um, a disproportionate impact on people because you just didn't see. You know, we talk a lot about her as uh, you know one uh, after Diane Cannon, one of the first African American actresses who has this major role. I said Diane Carroll. You said Diane Cannon. It's okay. I said Diane Cannon. I meant Diane Carroll, and. and but also she was a woman in that position as well, right. which at that time, look at Forbidden Planet. Yeah. It's all you know, it's a ship full of men. It's all dudes. Know, and, and it's all dudes. And until they find uh, you know, her on 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 Altair Seven, you know, it's like right. you know, there's there's no women in that movie. So I mean, you know, Star Trek was you you know, and had people apply the standards of today to nineteen sixty-six. And what's amazing is the show was incredibly progressive for the era. You yeah. can't say, well, it wasn't yeah. what we want it to be today because nothing was. Right. I mean, but even that, the Gene, you know, look, we all know Gene wanted her in the show. Um, obviously, he had had her in The Lieutenant. Um, uh, and she was great in the very famous episode to set it right. He jumped her. No, I jumped him. Well, what else do you expect? Maybe too much. But I thought after a few years, a person would start to grow a little. Everybody's going to write the settled scores but us. Is that it? I'm nobody's Uncle Tom, Norma. I'm a man. I've got a right to feel and act like a man. Well, if jumping somebody's all it takes, then why don't you trade that nice uniform in for a funny white sheet with a pointed cap and a burning cross? Norma, I'm not crawling for anybody. Not even for you. Who's asking you to? 
Look, if I'm willing to leave home and take any kind of work I can get just so we can be married, well, the least you can do is stay out of trouble. You said you wanted to make a career for yourself in the Marine Corps. Oh, I can't. Not with Devlin here. Well, are you going to start a feud? Well, feuds are... are for the ignorant. We can't afford them. Above all, I want you to live in the world with me and be happy. But the world has got to change first. It's got to be made to change. How? With more fists than blood. That's their way. That's all they need. Stop it. Look, my father, your folks, all of us before, we wouldn't fight back. We took it. But what did it get us? Things are changing. We were born losers, and we'll stay that way until we change it ourselves. Which was the episode that basically got that show canceled, unfortunately, because it dealt with um, racism and discrimination in um, the the military. And is a very famous episode of that show uh, with Dennis Hopper and and Nichelle. And um, um, but um, interestingly, you know, but but you know, Gene and her were uh, were having you know were having a having an affair. So when it came time to cast Star Trek, he remembered Nichelle very well. And, um, you know, and, and Nichelle had a very special relationship with Gene. She, she yeah. thought the world of him. And, uh, you know, and, and, you know, you, you'd hear even in her later years, you know, when she talked about Gene, she would just light up. Absolutely. Yeah. She, she always carried the torch for Gene and defended him at every moment when someone was trying to, you know, negate his contributions or his creativity. Uh, and it was really very sweet. Um, I, I think that one of the great things about her role on the show was that, yeah, she, she wasn't always just the, just the person saying hailing frequencies open. I mean, in the very first aired episode, the man trap, she has a great part in that. And she sort of uh, is one of the first clues to, uh, you know, what this salt creature is. And she has a great scene uh, meeting up this uh, handsome, dark stranger in the in the hallway uh, who speaks Swahili to her. And she's really great in that scene. And, and that is a creepy it's scene. It's a I, creepy scene. Man Trap is not a great episode, but that is a great scene in yep. a mediocre episode. Yep. It's really weird and suspenseful and off kilter you know and it, puts, and it puts her and her character as a as a big part of the show absolutely mm-hmm. yeah. and it's a, it's a great moment for her if the door to my quarter still rattles when it opens would you stop by and see if you can do something about it thanks bobby Do I know you? In a way, ma'am. You were just thinking of someone like me. I'm guessing, of course, but you do look a little lonely. I see. So naturally, when I'm lonely, I think of you. Nina Kudania. Unamalki Musari. Unakefiri Hur. Swahili.
to the bridge. Lieutenant Uhura to the bridge. I better get this tray back. Bye, Morgard. Wait a minute. I'll walk along. Lieutenant Uhura, report to the bridge. I'd love to know from you guys, what are other highlights of, you know, Nichelle, you know, when you look back and look at great episodes, a great moment she's had in Star Trek or, you know, in other films like Truck Turner uh, or Captain Zoom, uh, what, what, you know, what are some of the highlights for you? Because I definitely would have said that scene in Mantrap as well. well de- definitely for me, uh, my favorite Ohura episode was Evil Ahura. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. You are very persistent, Mr. Sulu. The game has rules. You're ignoring them. I protest, and you come back. You didn't come back. Now you're making sense. I was getting bored. Mm. Of course, this isn't the time. Any time's a good time. I'm afraid I changed my mind again. You take a lot of chances, Lieutenant. So do you, Miss. That was just, she was so hot in that episode. As a young young man uh, watching, uh, you know, network television, uh, Black in America, there were basically two two women, uh, Michelle Nichols and uh, Gail Foster Mm. on uh, Mannix. Right. Basically, they carried the whole torch for the 60s uh, before Diane Carroll cut her show. And I just never forgot that episode. I mean, she's wonderful in many others, but uh, her and Spock going at it, it's just, it's delightful. Her performance uh, is great, uh, you know, despite her amazing midriff. Um, her performance <laughs> not is despite. great. Right, but it, including, of course. Including, but, please. But her, her banter with the evil Sulu is amazing. And she, yeah. uh, you know... You take a lot of risks, Lieutenant. And uh, she takes out the knife and says, so do you, mister. So do yeah. you. And she's badass. Absolutely. Yeah. And she's terrified to go up there alone. Right. And and Kirk gives that great speech to her. The only You're one. the only one who could do it. Find out what our orders are. Such a great scene. And it really gives her a lot of agency. And yeah. it's just the whole thing is just terrific. And she's going into the lion's den. And then, you know, that whole thing when, you know, uh, Asulu in the mirror universe starts to come on to her. And it's like, you know, is the captain here? Is Spock here? And, you know, she's just like holding her own. It's great. Yeah. And I did a little little tribute to her on my 
Facebook page today, and one of the pictures that I chose was her with the knife. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's, that's great. great. What about you, David? When you think of great uh, horror moments, what, what are some of the things that come to mind? Well, well, Darren took mine, but, 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 <laughs> but. Glad I went first. <laughs> there, are two, there are two runners up for original Star Trek that I think are really, they're small. But there, there's one where she's working underneath the communication console, trying yep. to mm-hmm. green hand that's holding the ship. And I think that's what I always loved about Star Trek is that everybody didn't just do their job. They were like, they knew a lot of stuff that this yep. is a show about really smart, capable people. I, I always loved that. I loved her in there trying to make, trying to do the thing that Spock's asking her to do. I just think it's great. I think another one, it's kind of, it's 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 the one good episode in a bad season. It's Tholian Webb. She 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 sees Kirk. She doesn't believe. She she thinks she's hallucinating. It's so emotional. You're so with her. And then that moment where McCoy says, "You're not dreaming. We all saw him." It's 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 a wonderful emotional moment by an by an actor. It's small, but it's 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 all her. She you you're right. you're really with her. And then, um, uh. You know, in uh, in uh, in Captain Zoom, there's this sort of competition between these two uh, religious people, and you know, uh, uh, she she has this this uh, line, uh, perhaps where she it's it's a it's an innocuous line, but she says, "Well, perhaps uh, we weren't meant to think that." I'm not giving you the exact line, and this other woman accuses her of. Of, oh, in religious school, they just tell you to answer a question with a question. It makes you sound wise. And Michelle gives this look that's just like burrowing into her, and it's really funny. And it's this really small moment, but it's all Michelle. So those are my those are my favorite moments. It's so funny when you mention her underneath the console because it makes me think of one of my favorite things, which I don't know if it was in the blooper reel, the Roddenberry Vault, where she is singing. Cole Porter tunes right. while working on the uh, console. Yeah. And it's just great. And you see, I mean, not that you doubt it, but, you know, she has such a great voice. I'm sorry. I did it again, didn't I? You know, you could see what a great performer she was. You know, if only she had sang The Moon is a Stairway to Heaven. Um, but... Uh, Window, a window, window, <laughs> not a staircase. I, I, uh, well, maybe it would have been better if it had been a stairway to heaven. That, so that scene of her working under the uh, under the console, though, is also a favorite of mine because it gives a really nice interplay between her and Spock. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's, you know, she's saying how much trouble she's having to try and fix this, and it's almost impossible. And Spock just calmly says, "I can think of no one better qualified to do this, Miss Aurora." And yeah. it's just such a great, yeah. you know, he's still his uh, his logical self, but he can still compliment her. And it's really sweet. Well, I love her in The Trouble with Tribbles when she's sitting with uh, Chekhov at the bar. Yeah. And they're, you know, and she defends Tribbles and Cyrano Jones. It's the only love money, you know, sure. can buy. And she's just very, you know, it's like you see her on shore leave and she's just totally won over by these Tribbles. and. Yeah. You know, it's nice to see her off duty and not at the station with a little Bluetooth thing in her ear. And how I, often do I get Shirley? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's great <laughs> in that. And it's a really good performance. And then, you know, I've talked about this on the show before. The other scene I really like, you know, in an episode that a lot of people don't, is that scene in The Savage Curtain, 
where um, Abraham Lincoln comes up and says, what a charming negress. And she says, you know, he says, oh, have I given offense? And she said, in the future, words don't, you know, we we don't fear words, yeah. you know, and she basically, and, and then he, you know, she basically gives the shit back to Abraham Lincoln. Excuse me, Captain Kirk. Yes, sir. Mr. Scott. What a charming negress. Oh, forgive me, my dear. I know that in my time, some use that term as a description of property. But why should I object to that term, sir? You see, in our century, we've learned not to fear words. May I present our communications officer, Lieutenant Uhura? The foolishness of my century had me apologizing where no offense was given. We've each learned to be delighted with what we are. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful moment because it seems That's really like, subtle. It's really yeah, subtle. Yeah. You know, and it just it just says, like, you know, say what you want. I know my worth and you can't demean me. And uh, I, I just think it's a, you know, it's a wonderful little moment. Plus, it's with Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. You know, it's 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 so cool. And then, of course, you know, I think if anyone got the short end of the stick in the movies of the cast, it's probably her. You know, we talked a lot about in Star Trek three. She's the only one who doesn't get to go on the mission. She does have a good scene right? Um, when she's left behind, but she doesn't really get to go with the guys. Right. And that is very much the boys club, I think, of Harv Bennett and, you know, everyone. Because, you know, in the motion picture, she has good scenes, but she didn't have a great, you know, the, the whole thing. It's like our, our chances of going on this mission just doubled, surviving this mission. Right. You know, she has a couple of good lines, but again, not she doesn't have like, She's not essential, you know, to, to to any key scenes. And Star Trek II, you know, finally Walter gets this big, big, you know, big chance to shine. But, you know, there's nothing really great for Ahura to do. And in Star Trek VI, the big moment for her is one of her worst, yeah. which is the idea that this incredibly capable and knowledgeable linguistics expert has to consult an encyclopedia, you know, or a dictionary and is... A fumbling over trying to convince the Klingons that uh, the Enterprise is not what it is. Right. Those are the moments I don't mind because she's funny. Uh, of course, uh, of course, she, she's she's really funny. And that that Star Trek Three moment when the the guy she's working with, Mister Venture, says your career is winding down, and she does this look up like right. that. It's again like when you see somebody who understands how to be funny without without trying to be funny. I, I I always really appreciate that. She's great in it. No, yeah. I mean she's she makes it look effortless. And I mean, even in episodes where I, I think are particularly good, like Games Just Triscalian, where she's given a little more to do, yeah, you know, she's quite good in that. Yeah. You know, and it's also she's not hitting people with flower pots over the head. <laughs> you know, she's right. able to hold her own in right. a fight. Yeah. You know. Which is which is why I know she took such pride in finally being given the con and being able to captain the Enterprise in the animated series. She would always talk about that. Right. That I finally, you know, was got command of the ship in right. in the animated series. Right. That's uh, the Laurel Eye signal, I believe. In the uh, Laurel Eye signal. That's right. That's right. I mean, I love the fact that one of her first break- breakthrough roles was is you know Hazel Sharp, the centerfold of Orgy Magazine, the Orgy Maiden <laughs> of the Month. Um, which was, you know, of you know, of parody of, of Playboy at the time in 1961, and uh, you know, she was the star of that play, which got a lot of attention, and you know, but it but it closed pretty quickly. But she ended up 
you know, befriending Hugh Hefner and for a, a short time was a, uh, a Playboy bunny at the uh, Chicago Playboy Club. But, um, you know, it wasn't long before she started appearing in, you know, really, you know, great roles and shows. And of course, she had done Porgy and Bess with Brock Peters in 1959. So that was the first time she worked with Brock Peters. That's and then right. she would again many, many years later in Star Trek Four. Um, other other great Nichelle moments. I mean, what do you what do you guys think of her career outside of Star Trek? Obviously, that Star Trek is what she's known for. But Darren, you said earlier, Truck Turner, you know, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's kind of shocking to see her in that role at the time. It's you're like, you know, when I first saw it, I was like, who is running who running hose? You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, we really don't know if she did that on the show. She might have. Well, 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 well she was working with Harry Mudd. So, right. uh, <laughs> but, you know, uh, she's very colorful, uh, in the part. And, uh, you know, it's really far away from what you'd expected of her at the time. Uh, so it, it was actually a blast to see her in that. David, it seems like also she really got animation and voiceovers because not only was she great in the animated series and unlike jimmy and majel was pretty good at doing multiple voices but you know she was in gargoyles she did a voice in the batman the animated series of course she did futurama for you it seemed like um yeah she really uh you know was great with the voiceovers and she had a well, real I facility think for it two things going on there i think that she was good she's a good she's got a great voice and then you had all these nerds who grew up watching her in star trek who suddenly had their own shows and <laughs> and so that's a that uh, again if she wasn't any good she wouldn't have gotten the part she was good but you also had lots of real you know and that was uh brian levant who again who executive who's captain zoom's film director and cast her as cuba gooding's mom in snow dogs uh, and and he he did that after working with her on captain zoom he realized wow this woman's really funny she's still right. she's still really good uh, and I think that's a really sad thing, I think, that happens to a lot of actors who don't get that chance again because they're forgotten. And, and one of the great things about Star Trek, Walter Walter Koenig said this to me directly, that because of Star Trek, I continue to work because it it stays in the consciousness. And um, I think that that it was somebody like Michelle, who had actual a lot of actual talent, uh, that that uh, is one of the reasons she kept, she kept working. Yeah, it's interesting how much talent a lot of them did have because, you right. know, you see, you know, Walter in, in like Babylon 5 and other things. He's very good. You know, you right. see Michelle in other roles. She's very, you know, it's very good. Uh, George, yeah. you know, in Heroes and other shows was, you know, as was Michelle and they're, they're very good. So when given a chance to shine, um, they do a really nice job. I always found it interesting that Michelle actually started out as the ho- highest paid of the um uh, uh ensemble oh, i didn't know that yeah she she was getting a thousand dollars an episode which was higher than d and jimmy and wow. george eventually the studio caught on and uh they renegotiated her deal because of course um she, she kind of was recurring i mean she really wasn't a 13 yeah. to 13 you know um uh and so they they reduced it to 140 dollars a day but in some I cases I have no idea how that happened. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but yeah, so it's, 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 it's very interesting. What do you think, you know, when people look back at her legacy, you know, what do you think people are going to say about, uh, about Michelle Darren? I think they're going to say she was a pioneer. She was a groundbreaking figure. And, uh, 
people uh, debate whether or not her kiss with Captain Kirk was the first one ever on television. Somebody right. was saying on social media today, well, this British show did it uh, four years before. But I'm like, you know, that's not America. Yeah. Well, nobody saw that's it. Not, <laughs> uh, it's not the one people remember. No, it's no. not the one people people would remember. It didn't take place during the 60s with all of the upheaval that was taking place at that time. And uh, in a time when stations would stop carrying the show because yeah. of such content. And Absolutely. Interestingly, Absolutely. They, they didn't. And uh, she had a lot of courage because the way she told me the story, you know, there was some last minute trepidation on uh, the part of, uh, of William Shatner and uh, other people. Should we really do this? Right. And she was the person who was most likely to take the worst heat for it, you know, and uh, she convinced him to go ahead and do it. And I think it was an important moment in television history. And uh, she is important when you have Martin Luther King contacting you and saying your role on television is important. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine something like that happening today. You know, she was a singular figure at an important moment in time. So yeah. I think she's going to be remembered uh, for that, obviously, for her, her performance and, and obviously for her beauty and everything. But I think she was just an important uh, figure in the 60s. It's hard to imagine 50, only 50 years ago, that something as a man with one skin color kissing a woman with another skin color would cause such an uproar. Yes. That it would be so controversial. It's crazy. It's absolutely insane. And so you you think how f- screwed up the world is now, but at least you know you 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 look. We we have made some some strides. You know. Um, could, but again, you know, I, you know, even even though certain uh, of the southern stations were threatening to not carry the show, the main fear was coming from the network executives. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. And and so I, I think a lot of that uh, fear was uh, sort of, uh, I hate to say, uh, uh, blown up a little bit by their reaction to it and their fear of something that may or may not happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but remember, it, it was originally going to be Uhura kissing Spock, which, you know, could could be argued that was sort of a a less uh, inflammatory action because Spock was an alien. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, I think that it was it was great that. And remember, Roddenberry wasn't really involved in this season. It was Fred Freiberger. It was Fred Freiberger. So for all the flack that he gets, Fred Freiberger really, uh, really was able to sort of pull this out of the hat and and make it happen. Uh, and of course, let's uh, also. Um, you know, spread it around to Shatner, who who wasn't scared at all about it, and uh, and uh, and Michelle, who was who was determined that this should happen, and it was uh, a, a great occurrence. Because of course, the story that Bill tells, and there are a lot of apocryphal stories in the history of Star Trek, and <laughs> divining the fact from the fiction is a full time job. Uh, but um, you know, Bill tells the story that you know they wanted one for safety, where he didn't kiss her. Right. And and uh, that he intentionally screwed up that take, so they had to use the one where he kisses her. Right. So you know, everyone has a, has a different story. I certainly hope and and, and personally believe that's the truth. <laughs> but um, but uh, I believe you know, who knows? Bill screwed up a take. I believe that. 
<laughs> but it's just look uh everyone's known that Michelle has not been doing well for a while it's one of the sad tragedies of of growing old um you know that she's been suffering from this 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 heinous awful uh disease dementia um which is just um just a, a very sad thing but um she uh you know, she will always be remembered. I mean, she has made such a mark. And the fact that that character continues to be reinvented for better or for ill is a testament to the impact that she had. I think that, you know, certainly, you know, listening to Whoopi talk about the impact it had on her and how that led to her wanting to do Star Trek, asking, oh, begging wanted, to do Star Trek. Well, not only that, but what urging her to go on and do what she did in her career before Star Trek. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the, the impact that uh, that uh, Michelle made by just being there, being in a, a, a role of uh, importance and equality on there that uh, Whoopi said, oh, my God, she there's a black woman on there and she ain't no maid. That was that was her quote. And you know, just imagining the impact of that in a time where the representation was nil. So I think that was that speaks Tremendous so effect. much, so much to uh, the importance of Nichelle and her character and uh, and uh, everything in that time period. Um, yeah. And you know, the let's let's readdress the the uh, you know the the famous story about uh, her meeting. Uh, uh, with uh, Martin Luther King Jr. It was, uh, I, how she tells it was, it was at a, an NAACP gathering and uh, she was in attendance and uh, apparently one of uh, Dr. King's aides came to her and said, um, uh, Mr. King would like, uh, Dr. King would like to meet you. And uh, she was very taken aback. She didn't know that uh, Dr. King even knew of her. Uh, but uh uh, they they met and uh, she was talking to him and she was in a position where she was seriously thinking of of quitting the show because of that you know hailing frequencies open every episode uh, she was getting tired of it and uh, of course uh, Dr King told her you must not leave your presence there is speaking about the future and your your just being there is making a statement that we could we couldn't possibly hit harder. So it, it it's really important. And now look, whether or not this story is apocryphal, whether it actually happened that way, because remember Gene Roddenberry was telling the story that it happened to him. So I I I, I well, and she was I, telling I, that story as well until her autobiography came out. Right. But it's a wonderful story, it's and we know we know Doctor King happened. was a fan of Star Trek and believed Absolutely. that, whether he said it to her or not, because Absolutely. we know that from Andrea Kindred, who Correct. was Gene Coon's um, uh, assistant, and right. and who knew Doctor King and knew Malcolm and knew Karenga, and yeah. uh, I'm so excited that we're going to see her in Vegas in a couple of weeks. Absolutely, and, and was also related to Nichelle. And has great Nichelle stories. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, David, what, what do you, what do you, what do you think? Um, you know, in terms of of Ohura, this is a, a character you know that has been expanded upon in books and comic books, and 
is because she's sort of a tabula rasa, you know, nobody's writing Lieutenant Palmer stories. So there's <laughs> something about Ohura that resonates with people. Well, I, I think that you get like, you, you get fortunate in television or in movies where, you know, where it's not just the character, it's the actor. And that you have, she brought this character to life, whatever was written. And you can talk about the, those individual scenes in that first season that were kind of special, the, the man trap scene and the, and the, the scene um, where she sings and then later evil of her and all that. But she's memorable, not just for those scenes. She's right. memorable every minute she's on screen. And so, you, so she creates this character minute to minute for a viewer. And then in, in our imaginations when we're not watching the show. And so to me, you, it's a perfect synchronicity of of the timing of her getting this part and the timing of what that show would become uh, with, you know, just this, this, I, I'm not a spiritual person, but you, you do start to believe in, in God-like things when you see natural talent in people. And yeah. she had a natural uh, charisma and talent as an actress and a performer that brought that character and made that character memorable, even in, unmemorable what would have normally been unmemorable scenes and and then she exists in our minds outside of the show she becomes real she made her real well and i also think that she um showcased incredible competence you know that was something you always saw from her and i think the fact that later on the movie seized on like this relationship between spock and ahura was because they suggested all this stuff between the lines that people could pick up on and that's why the fan fiction like jj's films um, are you know able to extrapolate on um, on this kind of stuff? But I have to say, relevant to all of us who who are lucky enough to spend some time with the show, Nick Meyer has a great quote. He says, "Hollywood is the one place where you get to shake hands with your dreams." And for all of you who got to work with this dream of an actor, Michelle Nichols, how special that has been! Very special. Really, really, really something. I would never have imagined it. Yeah. yeah. And and no one will forget the great Nichelle Nichols passed away July 30th at 89 years old. A very, very special woman, part of the DNA of Star Trek and its first lady. And uh, she will definitely be missed. So thanks for joining us for a very special episode of Inglorious Trexperts. We'll be back next Friday with an all new episode. Special thanks to Bill Ritter and uh, Mark Rivera. And special thanks for Darren and um, and uh, both Darrens. There are two of them. Mira <laughs> Darren and Darren and, and David for joining us on such, such short notice so we could take a few minutes to tip our hats to um, the great Nichelle Nichols. So thank you and keep on trekking ingloriously, of course. This is Nichelle Nichols signing off. May you and yours live long and prosper. The skies are green and glowing where my heart is. Where my heart is, where the scented lunar flower is growing somewhere beyond the stars.
This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.